to Very Amusing, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and I am joined with the famous Wiesel Trilogy. I got Pearl in my lap, and I got... Hi, it's me. I'm here. Yay! Mom has been upgraded to the top of the show. She'll still be at the back of the show. But for today, she's in the house. We're hanging out with Pearl. She's visiting me. She's doing me a favor watching Pearl while I get work done. So I figured, why not include them in the intro? Why not? Why not? Just multitasking my daughter. She's feeding babies. She has me making her crazy. She's got her husband running around. And then there's Morty. Yeah, Morty's scratching down the door. It's a full house. Morty French kissed me yesterday. It was crazy. Oh, ooh, ooh, la, la. Is a romance brewing in the house? Who knows? It's very clean. Okay, it's fine. We love him. He's part of our family. He's allowed to kiss anybody in the mouth. That's true. As long as talking, so we got inside my mouth. It's not cool. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, uh, mom's been visiting me for a few days. We went to a very fun event over the weekend with Pearly Girly. We went to a Wrangler Barbie event, which was in Los Angeles, like somewhere in Los Feliz, if you're familiar. But it was like a private horseback riding club. So there were all these beautiful horses and all these very cool ladies doing cool horse tricks. And we got to chain stitch a jacket and uh you put like, her on a horse yeah we put we, we put sat pearl on a pony i held on to her don't worry we didn't just like run her into the night but i really want her to be a horse girl and so it was exciting because i plan on her being a horse girl and this hopefully she will look back on this day in 20 years and be like that's the first day i was on a horse even though it was a pony i think it's the same thing it counts but we started the origin story today yesterday this weekend so it was worth it and she was decked out in pink for barbie she was the cutest little thing you ever saw <laughs> yes i oh do uh, regularly yell at my mom and tell her she's buying too many clothes and she needs to stop. And then when I need something, the perfect item is there and she bought it. So right. That's why I don't miss it. That's why I just keep buying and eventually something's going to work. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but this is not the Weisel Family Happy Hour. Uh, we are going to switch over to the podcast shortly. We just wanted to say hello from all of us. Yeah, this is so nice. I miss you all so much. Write in, call in, and, I, and I'll come back. I promise. Come back. You're on the end of the show every week. I'll come back more. I'll do a whole nother third episode. Okay. This woman just this woman just wants me to take her on a cruise, okay? Yeah, I'm going for December 2024. I'm really doing my first. If we if we are invited to the Disney Treasure, the full fam will be there. Fingers crossed. I really can't Please wait to get on that ship. So yeah, I want to go. That ship looks great. I'm sorry, that ship looks great. The colors look great. Oh, pearls on the keyboard. Okay, we gotta go. Uh talk to you soon in a second. Uh, bye. I love bye. you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah Baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Thank you. 
This week, we have illusionist, magician, and mind reader Chris Cox gabbing about the best themed entertainment you've ever seen and ones you will be desperate to by the end of this. Chris and I have been internet pals for years. I'm honestly so charmed that he listens to my podcast. Yes, our guest is a listener in the very amusing universe, just like the rest of us. And it was delightful to catch up on the pod and discuss all things magic. We talk about theme parks, of course, but wound up talking a bit more about themed immersive entertainment, which he knows firsthand because he creates it. He created so many things that I couldn't even keep them all in this episode, but we're talking stage surprises, effects, and even, okay, if you if you go to a fancy meal, like a really fancy like anniversary dinner and you pay in advance, he invented that as part of bringing theatrics into high-end restaurants. This dude does it all. You'll hear about everything this week, including how he's consulted at one of the best restaurants in the world, and even about how he works on the effects and illusions in Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, the Harry Potter stage show, which, if you've seen it, you know the reason it's still running and the reason it's so exceptional is because of those effects. And sidebar, small sidebar, personal note, because we mentioned Harry Potter, I do have to hit my Trans Lives Matter and this podcast supports them button to balance out J.K. Rowling and all of her bizarre personal vendetta against women. Okay, anyway, anyway, back to the show. Chris Cox has the most fascinating job, and the grit that goes into perfecting these tricks and effects, both edible and not, does not go unseen, even if we'll never know how he makes some of these things happen. Chris also tells me in this episode about the most mind-blowing immersive theater experience I've ever heard of. But to do so, he also had to immediately spoil it. It is located in London and hasn't been performed in a few years, so I feel okie-dokie personally leaving it in. But when you hear the Penn & Teller reference, because yeah, we got a Penn & Teller name drop on this week's episode. This dude is legit. Just fast forward about four minutes and you should be good. All right, I think that's everything. And with that, I give you themed illusions, magic, and more with illusionist Chris Cox. Welcome to Very Amusing. It's my contractual obligation to be here. Thank you. It's not. I'm delighted <laughs> to be here. Thanks so much for having me. So we are going to get into some theme parky stuff. But up top, I I realized I have no idea how you wound up in this line of work. And I would love to know. So I, I remember it very well. I was 11 years old and I was at home here in England. And I got a letter that was delivered by an owl. And then seven years at Hogwarts, Hufflepuff and Proud. And now I'm a mind reader. That's it. Um, That is the answer I prepare because the real answer is the same as every magician you'll ever ask. It's how do you get into magic? And it's, well, I got magic kit as a kid, like most people. And then I just sort of kept doing it. Um, And I can't act, dance or sing, but like performing. And therefore, uh, magic was my my calling, I suppose, amongst other things. I got into mentalism when I was at school. And I realised that if you mixed uh, magic tricks with mentalism techniques with psychology, and I was learning psychology at school, it felt like more than magic um so that was kind of my real initial into it of all um but yeah you sort of need a a general overview of everything in fact i just uh, the easiest way to explain it is a bit like a chef so you Mm. learn the basic techniques you learn the ingredients and then you add yourself to it and i quite quickly um uh, i quite quickly fell down the role of doing mind reading and mentalism because it's sort of more performance than anything else and it's the performance and the psychology of that which interests me I haven't been lucky enough to see your live show yet because the dates haven't lined up, but you kind of embarrass yourself on stage, it sounds like. Yeah, pretty much. I sort of feel like magic's an interesting one um, because uh, outside of the world of like, and obviously we'll get into theme park magic, which is a slightly different beast, but in essence, a magician, magic is, you, is, is a performance art. And I always feel um, Seinfeld used to have a good gag and routine about um, the, the problem with the magician is in essence, you're going, look at this stuff that I can do that you can't. 
<laughs> that's sort of what you do. So my very much aim on that is to come in as the underdog. And I want people to sort of be going, you know, you're good. You're actually not bad. Um, and the biggest <laughs> laugh I think I get is like the first really good bit of mind reading I do um, sort of four minutes into my routine. I get someone to I write down the name of a place and I show it to everyone apart from the person on stage with me who can't see it. And I say to them, where's the best place you've been on vacation? And they name the place that I've written down. Uh, and at that point, everyone goes, oh, and my joke is, and you thought I was going to suck. And that is the biggest <laughs> laugh in the show, because at that point, everyone still thinks, oh, I think this guy's going to suck. Now that we have an expert on the show, I want you to tell me how some of the stuff is done. Okay, so... Uh, Spoil the, things! So, so, so here, here's the weird thing about magic, is there's an old phrase, which is a magician guards an empty safe. Which is true, because... <laughs> The way stuff is done is normally really disappointing and never as good as the actual trick. But sometimes that stuff is really clever and interesting. And you go, oh, it's not as good as a trick, but the fact that that's been worked out is is phenomenal. Um, So, and there also, you know, there are things, you know, the, the most seen magic trick in the entire world, and also probably the most known about magic trick in the entire world, is a Pepper's Ghost. Purely because of the Haunted Mansion. Wow, that made Pepper's Ghost the... Tip top one? Yeah. It had been around for a long time, but they were the first people to kind of do it on that scale. And, um, and you know, it was in uh, Lord of the Rings, the musical, which was at the Theatre Royal Jury Lane in London about 15, 20 years ago. And they did a Pepper's Ghost and they literally bring in a massive piece of glass for that one moment where they put the ring on for the first time and they vanish. And it looks amazing. And everyone in the interval goes, oh, yeah, it's a bit like the Haunted Mansion. Um <laughs> <laughs> because it's the most the most seen magic trick in the world and probably the one people know the most about but also the genius of it is when it's reused in other areas and and the nuance that's added to it so it's like in um like in it's in poo uh whichever version of poo you've been on be the japan the much superior japanese version or the um the u.s versions that moment of poo floating away that is pepper's ghost but done slightly differently from a different angle and it is lights and mirrors and so often magic is mirrors and lights and smoke and it's all of it all the good stuff is old-fashioned techniques but adding ideally some modern modern technology to make that better Often I'll see a trick and be like, oh, this is one or two or three different ways. Normally there's only a few ways to do things. And it's on the um, Tokyo Disney Sea version of Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, which is not Twilight Zone, obviously there. The Hightower Hotel, where the uh, the monkey statue, which has a name, but I can't remember it, disappears. Yes. And it is a perfect example of multiple methods working at once. So you've got lighting, you've got some projection on the statue, and then you've got an old-fashioned one. It's possibly... Like, the thing is, I'm still not entirely sure how it's done. And there's two possible ways to do it. Um, way one... So the monkey basically lights up, you get a nice light on it, you get a projection effect on its face, which makes it look evil and it moves its little mouth, and then the monkey disappears. Um, but because of how the projection effect is on it, there is sort of... It makes me as my magic brain go, okay, you've got two ways of doing this. One is that monkey has got the projection on it until the very last second, and then it is on a really quick release drop into the thing that's below it. So it just drops down. Um, but I watched a YouTube video in Night Vision on real slow. And I'm, it was, I think that's probably what they're doing, but I couldn't entirely work it out. But that's one of the ways of doing it. Uh, you were watching it in in night in night vision? In, and I found a night vision recording of it and then went frame by frame through it. Uh, <laughs> um, because the thing, so here's why I did it. It's like, okay, so it's one of two ways. And yeah. I'm interested in going, if it's the drop down, which I think it is, I then go, what's the redundancy on that drop down? What's, in essence, in theme park terms, what's the B mode? Because sometimes that's not going to work. And the magic brain makes you go, okay, so it's reset position has to be the home position where it's hidden. So therefore, that's because that's what you want it to get to as quick as possible. 
So if it's above, you then got a drop release and that'll drop down and you weight it, or maybe there's a pulley system or a hydraulic system which pulls it down faster than gravity. It's basically a mini, it's a mini t- Tower of Terror within the Tower of Terror. Yeah. Is what they've got is they've asked for the ride system, but tiny for the monkey. Um, uh, or the other option is, um, is it's gone before the projection. And they're projecting onto something that's behind it. And there's a technique um, which has been used for hundreds of years in magic and uh, is still used on many things. Um, and the, it's the basic principle uh, that black on black with light in front of it becomes invisible to the human eye. Oh. Um, so you'll see it a lot, used a lot in the Haunted Mansion. Um, and that idea of like, okay, so the, in, so my thinking on that goes, okay, well, if they, at that point, if it could literally span... 90 degrees and behind it is just black it looks like it disappears if you light that correctly because you have light coming from your front which dilates uh, your pupil and then black on black becomes invisible whoa yeah there's a and that is a you know and on a very base level you'll see it in lots of rides often poorly done because it's a real nuance to getting it's like literally is there again haven't referenced seinfeld twice in the show but it's that <laughs> seinfeld gag of between the difference between a winner and a loser in the hundred meters is like just a little head forward or a little head back <laughs> yeah. and the same with something looking invisible is you know a, a light one centimeter further forward than it should be or a bit of spill from a light here or someone's using their cell phone that can ruin that trick wow i we haven't talked about it yet but i think we do need to discuss that you have ex extensively worked in a stage situation and kind of not doing just your own show but also consulting and working on other performances i'm not yeah. sure are are all those public knowledge or is that just i don't want to no, i don't want to spoil anything i think they're public <laughs> I'm, i mean i i haven't updated my wikipedia i mean uh wikipedia hasn't not that i do it myself definitely do it myself uh, it's the fans um, yeah, it's the chris yeah, fans it's the, yeah it's the <laughs> yeah. chris fans which is just me um uh, yeah no i think it's all out there so yeah i so this is part of the joy this is why i like to one of the reasons I love theme parks is it's always gives me new ideas. And I, as a performer, perform funny mind reading. That's my shtick. But that sort of, I can do that. The stuff I do, I've done thousands of times and can literally do it after a 12-hour flight from London to LA and be on stage two hours later and do the show and not worry about it. Um, the thing that I love doing these days is consulting on other productions and basically solving their problems using magical techniques. And so that means I'm part of the magic team on Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, on uh, Punch Drunk stuff in London, and Punch Drunk Do Sleep No More in New York, which people might know, on um, a couple of other plays here, on the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory tour, on this place called Lapland UK, which is um, part immersive theatre, part theme park experience, part immersive environment thing, um, and various other like restaurants like um, Heston Blumenthal's Three Michelin Star, Fat Duck Restaurant, DC Comics Park Row Restaurant, which is sort of Batman Gotham themed um so i go in and create stuff for them and the difference in the similar world to theme park is i'm creating stuff that i'm not doing so i know as a performer that i have when you see me on stage i've got loads of stuff going on and different routes and paths i will take so i have to work out how to teach that stuff to actors or create things which can work again and again and again and again and again and again and again Okay, you know that feeling that everyone knows something that you don't? For me, that used to be Quince, but no more. Quince is a truly astounding retailer, essentially carrying everything a person on your mood board would wear. We're talking washable silk blouses, chic leather bags, 14 karat gold jewelry, European linen dresses, and the best part of all is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They're up here with $50 Mongolian cashmere sweaters. $50! Beautiful, timeless items you can wear and actually live in. Meaning, 
You don't have to be scared to bring them on your theme park travels. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And if you're sensitive to retailers like I am, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. But it's not just your everyday work-life clothes. They have everything. I recently joined a new gym, big deal for me, and desperately needed new workout clothes to wear there. It's kind of like an LA gym. Like, it kind of got to look cute. So I ordered a pair of their ultra-form bike shorts and high-rise pocket leggings. And when I tell you, the quality of these leggings is truly on par with brands I paid three times as much for, which really kind of makes me love these three times more. I'm not only going to buy them again, but actually buy the other travel stuff in my cart because they have things like beautiful pastel suitcases for 129 bucks and these wildly affordable compression packing cubes that I have been waiting forever to buy compression packing cubes and they're always so pricey and here the price fits. So if you want to get ready for work, your new gym, travel, anything in your life, go to Quince. Quince.com slash amusing will get you free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Ooh, that's nice for someone who puts stuff off like I do. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash amusing to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash amusing. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah Baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Because of you, I was able to go to the fat doc, which I still owe you a massive present for. So thank you. You're welcome. It was wonderful. What is your work like for these places if uh, listeners haven't been to them? And kind of what do you bring to the restaurant? Because I assume the whole culinary program is already set before you come in. Or are you involved in those conversations? It depends where it is and where we're at. So the Fat Duck's a good example. So if you don't know the Fat Duck, it is a three Michelin star restaurant. It once won best restaurant in the world. And Heston Blumenthal, whose restaurant it is, kind of was one of the early pioneers of molecular gastronomy and multi-sensory dining. Um, so a lot of the times where you'll see an exciting new Instagrammable dish that Disney have put on the menu, you'll be like, oh yeah, Heston invented that 20 years ago. That's normally <laughs> the... So anything you've seen with dry ice or Harsh. liquid nitrogen, he invented all that stuff. That's like comes from his world and spherification and all those things. Um, but they could only originally work in a fine dining world. And, you know, the Fat Duck, you went, it's cover, It's like 48 covers at most. So that's the number of people eating. And there are 97 chefs working for those 48 covers. What? Um, so it's, yeah, it is utterly ludicrous. It's like, I, I need to explain to you. It's like a small, it's a small restaurant. It's a, yeah. it is small. Yeah, it's in a cottage, which I think it was originally a 1600 century cottage. So also, there's no room anywhere and you can't do anything to it because it's a 16th century cottage. Um, so my involvement for that uh, came, Hest one of Heston's 
long story short, someone saw me do a show, invited me to do a TV show with Heston. From that, he was like, oh, do you fancy, we're coming, we're playing with some ideas for the duck. Do you fancy coming to chat with me about it? And I did. And then they ended up bringing me on board. So because he does multi-sensory dining, my job there was originally to create some effects to go alongside some of the ideas they were thinking of and ended up being turning what was once working on turning what was once the menu into a thing called a journey so it's a theatrical experience um doing a load of research on the things i find interesting in theater which is opposite to theme parks to some extent is like in theater people remember the first and the last 10 minutes as a rule um so which is why a show always ends, you know musical end on a big clap along number and you'll go, go out going oh that was good and you sort of forget the middle plodded along um you know like a ride having a really good last couple of seconds you're like oh yeah but, you know it didn't end on a low um and of course the problem with dining is your last 10 minutes is normally that was expensive um <laughs> so I looked at, did a lot of research in that. And the first 10 minutes are people wondering, is this going to be worth the money? And we've kind of reinvented that moment. So I put holograms in the fire, literally using Pepper's Ghost um, in the fireplace. We used, we did that. And then I created mind reading um, paper, which created liquid nitrogen poached cocktails of the flavor that you were thinking of, despite never telling someone the flavor of it. So the idea being at the beginning, you're getting these experiences that make you go, oh, I see what's going on here. This is going to be fine. And then we invented a, the first restaurant to do a ticket system so that you buy your ticket in advance. So when the bill comes, it's not quite as much as you're expecting it to be because you've already paid for a lot of it. Wait, um, what? You, yeah. that, what? Yeah, that's, but that's how a lot, what? You started that? Yeah. We started that, yeah. That was like, I don't, I don't know how many years ago now. I was, uh, yeah, maybe 15, 10, 15 years ago. Oh um, but that God. idea kind of just suddenly changed that end dynamic. And then, you know, like I'm talking about nuance and, little touches of things we put in a touch of at the end after that giving someone a little everyone would get a little something at the end as a thank you and we created i created four different ways of doing the same thing so no one saw the same thing twice so you felt like it was exclusive to you um in the same way like you know like the indiana jones uh, room that doesn't never doesn't work anymore yeah. it felt different every time <laughs> I, uh, I think that's the works. name of the ride now yeah, <laughs> yeah. indiana jones and the, and the room that doesn't work yeah. uh, coming soon to animal kingdom uh, um, uh, so a good example is the mind reading liquid nitrogen poached aperitifs where i created the technique that would and taught the waiters and the, the staff there how to do it so it they could read their minds uh, and then what i realized is so they would you would select a drink You'd think of a drink and then we'd pour it out from this cocktail shaker, which you'd add stuff in and then foam would come out of it and it would taste of your drink. And I had to try it out one day. The Fat Duck was closed for six months in the UK and open in Melbourne uh, in Australia. And I got to a point where I was like, well, the only way I would know this would work on in my show is that at this point I would put it on stage and see. Um, so I flew to Melbourne, literally had lunch, checked the trick worked and flew home. Uh, and Melbourne is a 26-hour flight from the UK, so that was uh, the world's most ridiculous. Like, Greta is not happy with me for that flight. Um, <laughs> you, flew I, I that, you flew that <laughs> much to, to basically just have a drink and then head home. Yeah, have a drink. Go, yeah, it worked. All right, let's go home. But what I realized in doing it is I did it a few times. And one time I did it wrong because I was, I'd flown 26 hours and was jet lagged. Yet the person went, oh, yeah, that's a gin and tonic. It was not a gin and tonic. So I realized, A, the, I've gone to all this effort and we could have just done anything and said it. And people will be like, yeah. Uh, but what I realized was better is that it also made me go, oh, the problem with that, of course, is that one person has that experience. And everyone else is going, is that, was that it? Yeah, okay. Um, so then we made it so that each <laughs> flavor was a different color. So I then worked with the chefs mm. and going, can you make these different colors without affecting? So that what that initial request ended up being like a three-month R&D process for them. Oh, my um, gosh. And it seems like they're totally down for that. 
Yeah, they love that stuff. And therefore you get that moment of when it comes out and it's that colour, everyone around the table goes, ah! Oh! And suddenly that's the moment you're trying to create at this point. It's so funny to me that what is seemingly the most theme parky of restaurants is also like one of the best restaurants ever. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's partly because the you know this stuff isn't cheap to do. Yeah. Um, and you see it in theme parks and you can tell when it's cheap in a theme park and when they've spent a lot of money on it and or when it needs refurb and they haven't bothered spending that money um and then things like we put a uh a, there's a there was a dish which is uh tastes like sleep so it was these uh edible cloud edible pillows was what it was and we i was like oh it'd be good if they floated on a cloud and they went yeah it would be and then i was tasked with working out <laughs> alongside a brilliant um inventor called mark garston who's an engineer who i worked with on it to work out how we do that um so therefore you get a cloud which is floating on your table with an edible pillow on it because why not hey why not (laughs) wait i what (laughs) yeah you have a and it's uh let me tell you one thing the so yeah obviously you have to train the staff and um uh it's really difficult to get it right uh but because everything about how it works is the opposite of your brain so um so in essence i'm not sure reveal it uh there are many ways you can do those sorts of things and uh, lots of those ways would work perfectly in a theme park environment where you can control what the audience are doing, your audience being the guests. And ideally, if they're in an Omnimover, you can really control where they're looking. Problem is, you can't control what people around a table are doing. So nearly every method you would use isn't really practical. Um, so the method we invented was a, uh, a magnetic levitation system, which on its own feels like, oh, well, that's quite straightforward. But then it has to be computer controlled so that it tracks it so it doesn't fly off and stays in place. So it's originally still more complicated than you would imagine um but then to place it to get it in place so it floats you have to undo every bit of learning you've ever done about gravity so when you're placing it in position you have to when you feel no resistance it'll float if you feel any resistance it doesn't float so our whole bodies are trained when you put something down you just know there's something you feel the thing under it so you know you can put it down. Where this is the exact opposite. When you feel nothing, you have to go, all right, I'll let go, and it will then float. Um, so like when you think prob- it would fall. Yes. And just trust the point it where you go, now it won't. Now the, the magnet and the computer this, will like, do This beautiful job. dish that people have toiled over. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so, it, so, But those first few days of training everyone, the, like we, we quite quickly were like, we won't do it with the food on it because that's going to go everywhere. Um, but we did it with a set table so we could practice leaning over the table. I reckon we probably smashed about £3,000 worth of glasses. <laughs> before I was like, oh, maybe we'll take the glasses off. Let's take the glasses off. <laughs> because that's the thing if you put it where if, if it's not in the point it will literally just fly away from you um oh my god yeah and then it's... the only way to do it is to practice it and there are too many variables for it to be a you know you, i'd love to have a robot from a ceiling drop it down and to be exact um which is what you would probably do in a theme park but instead i was like all right we'll spend three days practicing this and since your knowledge spreads through so many different realms is there is there anything that theme park fans don't know about that they should know about like if they didn't know about the fat dock is there any other um oh, stage yeah. or a restaurant or a park they might not know about any any performance anything that they should be attuned to that they might not be one of the best things i've ever done is uh is a ridiculously titled experience called you me bum bum train uh, uh-huh. 
And it is, it's not what you'd think. Um, and it's happened a few times in London, and I've been lucky enough to do it three times. Um, and in fact, one time I took uh, Teller from Penn and Teller, and he said it was one of the best experiences of his life. I one time took Penn, who said it changed his life separately. They didn't come together. Um, and it is a... It's... It's the most immersive, immersive theatre experience. So the whole concept of it is it's one person does it, you do it solo, and there are everyone who works on it is a volunteer. So there are and you basically go through various scenes where you are the star of that scene. Uh, so to give you an example, like one of them started, and the first thing you did is they go off you, you sign a waiver and they go off you go, and you go into a room and you just sat there with a you're in like a, a, a flat, an apartment, and there's some kids playing PlayStation. And you're just watching them. You're like, okay, what do I do? And then at one point, one of them turns to you and goes, go through the fridge. You're like, what? And you turn around, there's a fridge. And you open the door of the fridge and there's food in it and you close it. And he goes, no, go through the fridge. And now you open it and it's a tunnel. (gasps) And you walk through that tunnel and you're suddenly in the next room, which is a sauna. And there are these guys planning a bank robbery. And then you go with them and you go out the sauna door and it is a full replication of a UK-based bank. And you're doing a bank robbery. And there's actors in there responding to whatever you do. And there's there's a there was one of them where it was Crufts, which is like the is it the Westchester or the Winchester dog show in the US? Oh um, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So Crufts is the UK version of that. And there's a room where you, there was a bit where yeah, you went it suddenly went into the next room and you're given a dog and it's all done up like Crufts and you run around with that dog. Wait, and a then real there was like one, a real dog, a real dog, an actual dog, no animatronics, real dog. Um, and then there was a bit where you go into a TV studio and you get your makeup done and they go, okay, you're on in three, two, one, and you walk through a, walk through a door and it's a TV studio set up like a talk show and there is an audience of about 100 people and they've done all the graphics for your name. And what? then you sit down at the desk and the auto cue starts running and you go, all right, well, I'm doing a TV show. And then the brilliance of it is like the night I did it, you, 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 it's just another actor. But um, Stephen Fry that year would regularly pop along and you'd go, please welcome my guest Stephen Fry. And <laughs> Stephen Fry would then pop out. And you'd be like, what? He's go-? So it is, it's, I, I believe it's coming back next year in 2025. If you can get a ticket and you're in London or you can get to London, it is the most life-changing experience because it reminds you that you can do anything. If you put your mind to it, because you just get to a point, you go like, "All right, I'm doing this. Great, that's me now for the next four minutes. I'm doing this scene." Oh my god! It is the most nuts, and yeah, it's called Yumi Bum Bum Train, and there is nothing like it. And I think you know, like all the Area 15 stuff, all the Omega Mart stuff, that all exists because of this. I think everything is, it sort of started that world. It is crazy. Oh my god! Okay, I'm gonna obviously have to fly over to do that because that sounds yeah. incredible. I've it never heard of nuts. that. And I remember after it having the weirdest dreams for nights on end because it just totally like it's like it's it's yeah it's like Lewis Carroll Alice in Wonderland you're suddenly here and then you're there and there was one I remember this is the nuts thing it did where you were having a massage on a massage table and then suddenly you start moving and because you're face down on it the the bit that your sort of face is on suddenly opens up and now you're <gasps> looking down and you're going over the top of like a tube train carriage and <gasps> you're just watching these people on the tube and then you go off the other end and then the massage finishes and you're like what what just happened this does feel the closest to what dreaming feels like in real life yeah that's it and that's the sort of thing where you go it oh you know you're looking and go oh my god if i think if disney if universal if even six Flags, if someone did this it would be incredible. But then you realise it just doesn't work on any grand scale because <laughs> no. it just, it, yeah, if people weren't volunteers, there's no, that show would cost you £5,000 per person to go on or something ridiculous. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah, and it's jo- it's joyous. So when I'd done it, I've then gone back and volunteered and been in various scenes. As like, I was one time I was in a chip shop as a just you know as a person who would order fish and chips from the guest who was coming through who was doing the experience, and they go and then you do it again, and it's it's as fun as a volunteer to watch all these people get thrown into these strange environments. Oh my god, that's fascinating. Yeah, it's utterly wild. I did want to ask you, and it, your answer might be just the aforementioned, but. If you could create any themed experience, someone gives you a cartoon bag of money with a money sign on it, uh, with your expertise in all these different fields, what would that experience be? Would it be a ride? Would it be a show? If you could had unlimited Ooh, funds and could do question. whatever you wanted, what would you do? So I like I love used to love roller coasters i still love them but i'm of the age where i need a little sit down after it um (laughs) but also it's like when i'm on tour i will go and try and so i was in miami a couple of weeks ago consulting on a show and flew in a day early to go on iron guazi at bush gardens it was closed all day didn't get to go on it um that was uh, 70 bucks i'll never see again um uh, but went on some other rides got a headache had to sit down um kumba really throws you around these days uh but also it's like i was in fact you gave me the advice i was in wisconsin dells on tour and went um here's a uh, this is a total side note to that but we went to uh whichever the water park you was you suggested because it was indoors and it was december um and it, it had that probably wilderness or kalahari i think i tried to push yeah it, it had the wilderness. one with the spinny the the, the oh, water slide oh, you get that in and was, then the thing um, spins that was mount olympus mount olympus so me i was like with two of my friends james and paul who are in the show with me so we were all like oh let's go to the water park then so we all went and that is the most nuts thing i've ever been on that is a right like that spinny water slide i've no idea what happened in there um but yeah. it was crazy and amazing. It's, for <laughs> for anyone listening, you have seen this on social media. It is. It looks like if three garlic knots were just rotating in space. Like it's just that's it. It's like slides intertwined, um, just go, just rolling yeah. over each and other. And you go into it, and then you're going up, and then you drop back down, and then water. You see, you, you look up, and then all this water is now falling in your ear um, because you've looked up, and it's and then suddenly you're this way. And I got, I felt, I got really motion sick at the end of it, and had to have a little sit down. That's a, a general rule of my, my days at theme parks. <laughs> <laughs> let's have a little sit down um and it's nuts and it, we just spent the whole time laughing because it's it was a new experience unlike anything else because you just don't know what's going on um but, i am not <laughs> brave enough to go on that so i'm very impressed it's really worth it because it's totally nuts yeah it, there's no way of describing it other than nuts um although what we realized is just after it we were sort of standing around uh, in the pool chatting about well that was so crazy and then we realized it was a saturday morning at a water park and we were the only three grown men without <laughs> children in the whole water park we're like, oh maybe we'll and then definitely that night there were people at the show who were like aren't those the guys who were half naked at the water park <laughs> yes yes that's the same guy yeah you can't have the mystique of a magician when they've seen you go screaming down a slide <laughs> yeah um, but that idea of like something new and unlike like that is a great example of like stuff combining so to go back to the original question i've always liked the idea of i like stuff where you play with the conceit of what it is and often the theme park conceit forever is oh no it's gone wrong <laughs> yeah, it turns out we're fine <laughs> but i've loved the idea of you're on something and you're expecting it to be what it is and then it stops and then it turns into something as in like you've got to, you're being evac'd or something and okay. at that point, you're like, oh, is this actually the thing? Or um, And then it goes into... So I'm always love the original Star Trek experience in Las Vegas, where mm. they played with that idea of you would watch what felt like a pre-show for a simulator and then get beamed up into the ship. So yeah. something where it is doing... Where you're expecting one thing and it becomes something else. Yes. Um, and the problem with that, of course, is you can't... You know, the joy of a magic show is at the end of a show and be like, hey, guys, try and keep the secrets because it's sort of not as fun if you know what it is. Well... 
uh, Chris, thank you so much for coming on and talking about magic and illusions and and uh, restaurants and all the other fun things. Oh, my pleasure. I hope it has been of interest and not too annoying. Hi, Carly. This is Kayla from Queens. I have a question um, on behalf of my parents. Uh, So my husband and I went on our honeymoon to Japan this past spring, and they're deciding to copy us and try to do our trip, too, since we loved it so much. Um, They're doing it slightly differently. They're flying into Beijing, and then they're doing a cruise that sails out of Hong Kong, and then it brings them to southern Japan goes up and ends in Tokyo. They are, of course, doing a Tokyo Disney, and I'm already talking to my mom explaining how all of that should go, and I've pointed her to TDR Explorer, but my sister and I also think that they should be a little bit ambitious about it and do Shanghai and Hong Kong while they are somewhat in the region. Um, my parents have never been anywhere on the Asian continent, they are in their early 60s. They have been to um, Disneyland Paris and Disney World every single year since I was born, about almost 30 years ago. So they are very Disney experienced. They are adventure travelers. Um, they are fit, and they're able to, like, really do a lot of stuff while they're traveling. So I'm wondering what your recommendations are, or if they should try to ambitiously do all three of the parks while they're there, or if they had to choose between Shanghai and Hong Kong, which should it be, why, and any tips that you have for them. But again, definitely doing Tokyo Disney. Um, so happy you're back. Congratulations, um, Carl. Congratulations to your mom. And uh, thank you so much for all your hard work. Thank you for this call, Kayla, because I am happy. I am pleased to join the chorus of voices telling your parents to just follow your lead and do what you say and go to as many Disney parks in Asia as you possibly can. And I mean, yes, I have an agenda. I run a theme park podcast, for Christ's sake. But still, you are right on the money. They should go to all three parks. Now, It does depend how much time they have in each city, and I'm not entirely sure. I know you mentioned a cruise, which means it might just be one day, which makes things a little tricky. I do think you should see the sights in Hong Kong and Shanghai, of course, but I am going to tell you I'm going to the parks. Like, I want them to have fun, and considering they're seasoned park goers here in the States, it just proves that they'll be that much more tickled and excited to visit these places overseas, because... Tokyo, Shanghai, and Hong Kong's parks are very, very different from each other, so they won't double up, really. It's it's a much, a much different experience across the three. Now, in terms of Shanghai, if you only have one day in Shanghai, annexing most of it for a Disney park is going to be pretty tough. Uh, it's I just think once you're there, because it's so big, the footprint is so large, you're going to end up spending a lot of time there, especially trying to do different things because the crowd there tends to be pretty intense. However, it's just a lot of there's a lot of people who love to go to Shanghai and Disneyland because it's pretty great. But if you are there, there are two things that I would recommend they do. I don't know if they're completionists, but if they're happy to like dip in for a half day and leave, this is what I guarantee they should do. Uh, they should absolutely ride pirates. Duh. It's different there. It's wonderful. It's exceptional. But they should do the challenge trails. And I know I've talked about the challenge trails on here before, but because you mentioned that your parents are kind of adventure they will absolutely flip their lids over this. Basically, and for anyone who hasn't heard me scream about this before, 
it's Disney rock climbing. You are, you're clipped in. There's like, uh, I forget this, like the harness, the carabiners, all that stuff. And you are doing uh, an activity that I can't believe Disney legal signed off on. You're basically climbing through waterfalls. I'm climbing in heights around a mountain and it's, but it's Disney and you're in a Disney park, but it's maybe the most terrifying thing you can possibly do in a Disney park. They will eat it up. I promise they will love it. Um, have them, if if they're not convinced after I yell at them <laughs> through you to go to the parks, have them look up a video of the challenge trails at Shanghai Disneyland and they will be convinced. As for Hong Kong, the thing is, there's stuff to see in Hong Kong, but I feel like there are more sites and places to see in Shanghai, just from my experience visiting both cities. And I feel like if they have enough time in Hong Kong, they could do the park more easily and just finish before dinner time and be like, we made it. We saw a few things and then leave at like four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm also checking the uh, taxi time from Hong Kong. So I remember being like pretty, pretty quickly to get from the park back to the city. I actually, when I visited Hong Kong Disneyland, I extended my trip because I wanted to spend more time in the parks than in Hong Kong itself. I just was having so much fun that I, I didn't want to leave. And the taxi time is like 7 a.m. in Hong Kong right now. Um, it's going to be about a half an hour, which is not bad at Oh, to take that taxi back. Anyway, if they're already going to do Shanghai, because we're clearly trying to convince them, and they're already doing Tokyo, I mean, they could just spend a few hours in Hong Kong and bing, bing, boom, they got it done. Also, Hong Kong has cheap tickets online. This is one of two things I'm going to yell at them to do. Uh, if you go on Kluke, Kluke is kind of like a uh, like an experience uh, ticket vendor, and they usually have cheap tickets for Disneyland overseas. Their tickets for Hong Kong Disneyland are 57 bucks. You can just go for four hours, ride Mystic Manor, and be like, we did it, and head out and go on with your day. That is not that much money as in terms of visiting another country and doing an attraction. So keep that in mind. They could just do a ride or two and then leave and be like, we saw it, which is thrilling. But the wild card is that, of course, World of Frozen opens in November. And how are you going to tell them to not go to a brand new Frozen themed land? This one, it looks really good. It looks really good from what I've seen. So I kind of want to have them go so we can report back and tell me how it was. Truly, they gotta go. They gotta go. And to answer your question, if they had to choose between the two, this might be a bit of a shocker, but I'm going to tell them to go to Hong Kong Disneyland. I don't know how the crowds will change once Frozen opens. I don't know how busy they'll be. I know that they have a lot of fans of, uh, I don't know, Duffy and Friends. So that has been a popular experience at Hong Kong. Um, I went a few years ago, so I, it was it was pretty dead there. I'm not going to lie. There's not a lot of people. So uh, it's definitely stepped up since then. But I think they have to go just to see World of Frozen. They have to go to Shanghai to go on the challenge trails. And I think if they're okay with the mindset that they just do a little and then leave, even though it takes a while to get there and back and to get in, yada, 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 I think I think it'll be worth it. And I think it'll be a really, really fun memory. And I will add that there is this bizarro joy of when you're overseas and you go from foreign theme park to foreign theme park because you feel you're traveling, you're in another country, they speak another language, and then you're kind of reminded of home. And especially for you, uh, a family who has been to these parks so many times, to just have that dose of like, oh, we're home, but we're somewhere different over and over repeatedly would be very, very cool. I hope they have the best time. Feel free to have them call in if they have any other questions. I'm happy to answer them. Uh, thank you for thinking of me in this journey of getting your parents to go to these places. And I hope they have the best time, whether or not they go, but they should do it. They should do it. They should do it. They should do it. You're already there. You're already there. Just go do it. Okay, bye. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? 
And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. That's a show! Thank you all so much for listening. And thank you to my family for working for free. And thank you to Chris Cox for coming on today's episode. You can find all of Chris Cox's links and all of that in the show notes. Uh, I don't want to say them out loud. Parents will giggle when they see them. But <laughs> just head to the show notes for all things Chris. His uh, his career is fantastic. Uh, all the projects he's been involved in are phenomenal. And you should absolutely check everything he does out. You can rate, review, and follow Very Amusing on Apple Podcasts. And rate and follow us on Spotify. As I say often, it's a it's a lot like when you're doing it you're just kind of like clicking five stars and you're like yeah whatever it's a huge deal it helps our podcast get more exposure get new listeners um when i pitch out some really funky interviews which we i'm doing currently for i don't know maybe some celebs it helps the powers that be see that like oh we're a legit podcast we're not always just one woman in her office filled with toys screaming about theme parks which we also do but hey who says you can't be two things at once right women can have it all you can give us a call at 747churros, leave us a voice note, or email it to 747churros at gmail.com. I said leave us a voice note. I'm supposed I'm supposed to say you can text us a voice note. You can text us a voice note. Basically, just yell into a phone, yell into a computer, send it to me. We got it. We are doing a Churros Hotline episode soon. So if you have a question you've been sitting on and you've been like, I don't want to call, I don't want to record it, just, just call in. It's okay if you have to call a few times to get the wording right, if you babble too much. I am in the babbling uh, uh, profession. So, <laughs> see? <laughs> So just call it in and we will do everything we can to answer your question, address your concern, or just gab about what you're saying. You can buy Very Amusing merchandise at very-amusing.com. And you can follow me at Carly Weisel on all them platforms and join the Fomaly at facebook.com slash group slash Carly Weisel. The Fomaly is really just a wonderful place. It's just a bunch of people talking about life, talking about theme parks, talking about Starbucks, talking about morning coffee, talking about uh, family, talking about holidays. It's great. It's great. It's great. And uh, use it as a resource because a lot of people are asking each other theme park questions and providing really good answers. This episode was edited analytically by Jeff Fox. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Hi, sweetie. It's mom. I have my voice pretty much back, so I'm very excited because I sound much better. Great episode. I love Shelby's attitude. She's got a great job, big title. She was a lot of fun to listen to. Now, Gatorland, I have never heard before in my whole life. I mean, it sounds okay, but for me, with my anxiety, the main attraction are gators jumping up and down for chickens. Like, yikes, like, don't sign me up for that. But the emus sound pretty cute. But live gators, I'm a little leery, you know. I have to think about that, bringing the little one. But if a bear can get into Disney, 
An alligator could have, I don't want to talk about it, never mind. It was a great episode. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be going there anytime soon, but you can tell me all about it. I love you. I love you, Pearl, and I'm going to be there in less than 48 hours, so maybe we'll go to Gatorland. We'll see. I love you. Bye.